Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Say it again. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes. yes Lord, yes. Be it unto us. According to your word. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I establish it in my heart. I hook my speaker up with my believer. And I believe that I receive the windows of heaven open unto me. The good measure, the pressed down, the shaken together, the running over blessing in my life. This day is my believing day. This day is my receiving day. I am a believer and I receive strength, health, encouragement and anointing in my life today. Somebody say amen, amen. <laughs> Woo, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, praise God. Turn around and shake hands with at least 50 people. A couple of folks anyway. And you may be seated. We're going to go ahead and dismiss the junior high. Good morning, everybody. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life. And that is the Zoe kind of life, the kind of life that Jesus came to give us. In abundance and to the full until it overflows. It is life as God has it. It is not only the nature and the ability of God, but it is life in not only quantity, but life in quality. Amen. And Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that was on the inside of him, did he not? And the gift that he was talking about was the gift of charisma. That gift, that endowment, that which God had entrusted him with. Well, God has entrusted you and I with the charisma, eternal life. He has placed and deposited on the inside of every one of us a special gift, a special anointing. And we are to stir up that gift. And we discovered last week that one way that we stir it up is by singing. This is a singing church. This is a praising church. Now, another way that we stir up the gift on the inside of us is by praying. It's like Paul and Silas. They didn't grumble and complain at midnight. They prayed and they sang praises to God. They had a breakthrough, you see, on the inside. Then God sent an earthquake on the outside and then they got free. So to have breakthroughs in our life outwardly, we must position ourselves for breakthroughs inwardly. And so we stir up the gift. We stir it up by singing. We stir it up by praying. And we stir it up by speaking. We just did that. You see, we hook our speaker up with our believer. 
And we acknowledge the good things which are in us, which are in Christ Jesus. And thus our faith and our whole being becomes divinely energized because of the profession and the confession of our faith based on the word of God. And Jesus, as the apostle and high priest of our confession, sees to it that what we say comes to pass. Amen. Now, you can do all of those things on a regular basis, and those things are awesome. And those things are good. But we must also make sure that we protect the revelation that we've received. We must make sure that we protect our spirits. We are spirit beings. We have souls and we live in bodies. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep or protect thy spirit with all diligence, for out of your spirit, you see, flows the issues of life. Now, there are things in life that are exhausting. There are things in life that will burn you out and keep you from burning on. And you can come to a place like this or in your own Bible study or whatever the case may be, may be so supercharged up in your spirit that you're stirred up to the hilt. And yet you have to watch out for those things that deplete you. You have to watch out for those things that exhaust you and those things that drain you. Amen. How many of you know that a bathtub will never, never maintain the water if the plug ain't in? And so we did a series not too long ago called Eliminating the Drains. Now I want to talk to you about one drain that you really need to make sure that you protect yourself from at all costs. It is not okay, and we are never justified at any time, never, ever, ever, to be a person that is given to worry and to fear and to anxiety. And Jesus dealt with this very clearly in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And I want you to notice that there came a day in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, that Jesus went over to Mary and Martha's house. Martha evidently was a top-notch cook. And Jesus spent many days there. They were good friends. They were close friends. And the Bible says in verse 38, if we could uh, turn over there, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. And what did Mary do? Mary did what? She heard his word. Now notice verse uh, 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. In between services, I had the opportunity um, to look at a few things uh, and commentaries on the word cumbered. And I discovered that according to Adam Clark, that the word cumbered means that she was harassed because of different cares and employments at the same time. In other words, her plate was full. Her plate was extremely full. And uh, also it means to, to draw one way and another and another. He says it is a proper description of a worldly mind. So Martha was cumbered about much serving. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She interrupts the master right in the middle of his message. Can you imagine that? She probably tried to draw Mary in, Mary, Mary, like that a couple times. But Mary chose the good part. She chose that thing which was needful in her life at that particular time. 
And so finally, you know, Martha got so upset. You see, the potatoes and the corn weren't the only things that were boiling in the kitchen. She reached the agitation point. She reached the point where she was just disgusted. And so she interrupts the Lord and says, Now bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now notice how the master handled this. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. You get a double Martha, you're in trouble. You get a double, you know, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, you're in trouble. You better hit the floor and start repenting now. So he said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and you're troubled about how many things? About many things. Now the word careful and troubled there, according to this commentary, means that you are highly distracted and that your mind has become divided. To the point that you have become disturbed and that your spirit and your mind has been thrown into a tumult. So we see here that Jesus is correcting her. He's saying, Martha, Martha, you are careful. You are troubled about many things. Now notice the next verse. And here's what I want to talk to you about today. But one thing is needful. Everyone say one thing thing. is needful. Now, what was that one thing that was needful? Well, it's what Mary chose. And Mary chose the good part. Now, in life, there are bad parts, there are okay parts, and there are not so okay parts. And there are good parts. It is up to you and it is up to I to find out according to the will of God what's the good part for our life. And we need to understand and find the one thing that is needful and take a chill pill and not be so divided, not be so troubled, and not so be full of anxiety and agitated and full of care that we can't enjoy the very life that He has come to give us. It will drain you, it will exhaust you, it will hurt you, and it can even kill you. And I, as your pastor, don't want that to happen. So heart of the bay, there's only one thing that's needful. Be like Mary today and choose the good part. And when you choose the good part, Satan will not be able to come and rip you off. Because in choosing the good part, that good part will keep you through the darkest hour and will fill you with the Spirit and filled with power. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Now, turn me to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. This is a very, very interesting verse of Scripture. I, I saw this last week as, we were, as I was meditating on the Word of God. The, the picture is, is Elijah is challenging the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal, you know, they served a God that was dead. And the prophet of God was serving the true and living God. And they were trying to blame him for the famine that was in the land. And finally, the prophet of God just had enough. And he said, there's going to be a showdown. There's going to be a showdown. And one of the things that he says to the prophets of Baal is found in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21. A very, very interesting verse of Scripture. Amen. Oh, glory. And Elijah came unto all the people. And here's what he said. Look at your neighbor and say, here's what he said. Now, how long will you halt between what? 
They didn't have the one thing, did they? There was a division taking place. Okay? He said, if the Lord be God, well, let's, why don't we just follow him? But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. Now, why didn't they answer a word? Because they weren't settled. Very interesting. The word halt there in the Hebrew means hop. It means to hop back and forth. Listen to what Clark says about this. He said, literally, how long hop you between two bows? He says, this is a metaphor taken from birds hopping about from bow to bow, not knowing on which one to settle. Another translator says it this way, how long halt you between two opinions, sometimes inclining to the one and sometimes inclining to the other? Leap ye upon two branches, like a bird that leaps or hops from one branch to another, and never settles long. It denotes the confusion of their thoughts. Now, I've been in this business for over 30 years, and it is my certain, certain opinion that in the body of Christ, there's too many hoppers. There's too much hopping around. You know, one day we believe we receive our healing. The next day we get a bad report and we go to another branch. Well, I don't know whether it's the will of God to heal me or not. We hear a dynamic message on divine prosperity. We get all pumped up. We get all stirred up. And then the next day the bills come. And we hop to another branch. Back and forth, up and down. One day almost level to the ground. Are you listening to me? And then the Lord shows you to come to a great church like Heart of the Bay or Jubilee or, you know, the church out there in Dublin, the well and Faith Fellowship shows you to go to one of those churches, you know, praise the Lord. And you go and you get settled for maybe a month or two. But then the pastor says something you don't like and you hop over here. It's musical chairs, hoppity, hoppity, hippity hop. How long holds you between two opinions? You see the the thing that is needful for you. The thing that is needful for you is to do what God calls you to do. The thing that is needful for you is to do and to be where God calls you to be. Are you listening to me? And Mary, the Bible says, she made the right choice. She chose the good part. See, the Bible warns us about wavering. Does it not? Somebody says, what are you doing on that chair? What are you doing on that chair? The Bible warns us about being double-minded. When we are double-minded, the scripture says that we become unstable, not in some of our ways, but unstable in all of our ways. It's a good thing, friends, to get fixed and to get settled and to become confident in your covenant that you have with God. You know, there are so many things in life to consider. The Bible speaks about Abraham. Did you know that Abraham was called the father of many nations before he became the father of many nations? 
God's will and God's plan was Abraham to become the father of many nations. And yet, Abraham had some things he could have considered. Like one thing, the deadness of Sarah's womb. And himself almost being a hundred years old. Let me ask you a question. How many hundred-year-olds and 99-year-olds have you seen at the mall lately with twins? And in life, I'm telling you, there are a lot of things to consider. But in our multitude of considerations, we lose our peace. We lose our joy. We lose our connection with the one who said, I have made you the father of many nations. I have given you one thing, settling on it, think on it, dwell on it, and you'll be that much better in your life. Now, here's what the Bible says about Abraham. Abraham considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was strengthened in faith as he gave glory to God. You see, he settled in on that one thing. And what was that one thing? That one thing that was spoken to him. Some of you need to settle in on that one thing that God spoke to you before you try to go on to the next thing. Oh man, that's a word right there. Because until you do the one thing, there may never be a next thing. And so we see then that even the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, and this is a very interesting verse of scripture, Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3. Notice that scripture with me if you would. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to look at that on the Blessetron here. And we're going to read it together. Everyone say one thing. Not many things. But one thing. Say it with me. I'm not a hopper. I'm steadfast. Ready, read. Wherefore, seeing we also are compass with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... And the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus. Verse 3. For consider him, consider Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied, now notice, and faint where? That's exhaustion. That's a depletion. So the scripture is exhorting us to look away from everything that would distract our lives, that would be a dividing factor in our lives, to look unto Jesus, who is the Word of God. And the Scripture tells us to consider Him. You see, there are things that the enemy wants you to consider. He wants you to consider the economy. If there's arthritis in your body, he doesn't want you to consider that you're redeemed from arthritis. He wants you to consider that you're full of sickness and disease. Instead of 
considering the circumstance, considering the doctor's report, considering those things that cause us to be weary and faint in our minds, he's telling us this morning that if you will consider me, if you will consider the one thing about your situation that I have said concerning you, come on, then you will not grow weary and faint in your mind, but rather you'll mount up with wings like an eagle. Hallelujah. And you'll be strong in your spirit. And in life, you will not be dragged down and bogged down by the cares and the considerations of this life. You think about Peter. I remember Peter. Peter and the disciples, they were out in a boat. The master was up in a mountain praying. He told them to go to the other side. And the Bible says that in the fourth watch of the night, here comes Jesus. And he's walking on the water. Amen. And the disciples saw him and they became full of faith. Did they? No. The disciples saw him and they became full of fear. And Jesus said something that he's saying us today, saying to us today, meditate on this. He said this, be not afraid, it's me. Be not afraid, be not agitated, don't worry about it. You're going to make it to the other side because it's me. And he's saying to them, don't consider what you're facing, consider me. And here's what Peter said to him. Peter said, if it be thou, Jesus... Bid me or call me to come unto the water. And Jesus said to him one word. And that one word was come. And that one word come had enough power for Peter to get out of the boat, go onto the water, walk on it to go to Jesus and to walk back to the boat with Jesus. That one word come is what Peter's one thing was. Come on. That one word come is what Peter's one thing was. And he was doing really good, wasn't he? He got out of the boat and he started walking to go to Jesus. He might have had a little glide in his stride. You don't know. But he's walking. Everyone say he's walking. But then other considerations show up. And they always will. Because it is the nature of... Of the world in which we live. Satan is the God of this world. And he wants to access your mind. Through his thoughts and his suggestions. And the Bible says. When Peter saw the wind boisterous. He began to sink. You see he took his eyes off the word come. And he put his eyes on the wind. He became divided. He became distracted. Now, let's not be too hard on Peter. We've all been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Amen? And by the way, it was just one word. And that one word was more than enough. And you and me got 66 books. I I know I'm going to try that again. You and me got 66 books. Amen? We are without excuse. Glory to God. So, the Bible says that Peter began to sink, but then Jesus is so good. 
he lifted him up, and he walked Peter back to the boat with him. Now, here's what Jesus said to him. And this is the Mark Thomas paraphrase. Jesus said to Peter, he said, You are doing quite well there, but wherefore, why did you begin to doubt? And he said, Peter, what happened is you went from great faith to little faith. You were doing great, Peter. You were doing awesome. You were doing super. Walking on the water on that word come. But then your faith dwindled when you began to look at the circumstance. Now, I've discovered this in my life because I've experienced all these things. And I know that somewhere, somehow you can relate to this in your own life. Amen. I've experienced this. I know and I understand. He didn't say you didn't have any faith. He said you had little faith. I know and understand that a little faith will take you a little way. But great faith will take you all the way. And listen to this. There's not that much difference between little faith and great faith. The difference is, what are you disciplined to consider? Have you got your eyes? Have you got your heart focused on the one thing? On the one thing. Jesus said that there's only one thing that's needful for you. Mary chose the good part. I submit to you this morning that you can know whether you're in the one thing zone or whether you're in the many things zone. Amen. You understand? You're tracking with me? And I have found out that the ruling factor that determines whether my life is in the one thing zone or whether I'm pulled in different ways and different many things areas is whether there's peace in my life or not. Are you listening? Whether there's peace in my life. Now I want to look at a couple more scriptures today. So how many of you will give me a little more time this morning? I want you to look with me over, first of all, to Colossians chapter 3. And I want us to look at verses 14 and 15. And I want us to look at that in the Amplified Version. Everyone said the Amplified Version. Now Colossians chapter 3. See, we can quote scripture, and it's okay to do that sometimes, but it is very important that our eyes rest on this word. So let's let our eyes rest on these words, and let's read them together. Are you ready? Notice with me. Ready, read. And above all these, put on love, and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. Verse 15. And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God. How long? Now, I want you to keep that verse up there. And thank you so much for doing that. And I want us to break this down just a moment. You see, when there is an absence of peace in your life, in my life, there's something missing. 
there's something broken. When there is anxieties and and fears and, and, and doubts, come on, it's draining. You know, when you're worrying about your bills and worrying about your body and your in-laws, your outlaws and every other kind of law, who's going to be present, all those things, that stresses you out. That stresses you out. Now look, the Bible says that we are to let His peace be and to rule and to act as an empire continually in our hearts. Making the decision... And settling with all finality, all, now listen to this, all questions that arise in our hearts and our minds. In other words, the question of, am I in the one thing zone? Or have I got too much going on in my life? Am I like Martha? Am I encumbered and distracted? Am I like Peter? Am I out there doing the spiritual slits on, splits on the sea of life? You see... The Bible says the way you can know that is through peace. And he says this, that peace is like an umpire. Now, it's baseball season, right? I can remember back in the 80s when Brenda and I first moved to the Bay Area, where Billy Martin was the manager of the Oakland A's. How many of you remember Billy? Billy Ball, they called it. And Billy Martin was a high-tempered manager. I mean, the A's stunk in those days. But I would go sit in the stadium just to watch Billy. You know, Billy ran with Mickey Mantle and all those guys. They were just a bunch of party animals is what they were. And so Billy being high-tempered and just uptight at a call that the umpire made. They call the umpire Blue, right? You'll hear people in the audience say, hey, Blue, bad call. So Billy would get out of that dugout and he was a real short guy. And he would just, he would get right up in the face of the umpire. And the umpire would back off and he'd start kicking dirt at him. You ever see that? Let me illustrate for you. Here's Billy. The umpire's going back like that. And Billy's going like that. You see, there's no peace there. And so what the umpire's got to do to maintain the one thing zone to play baseball and not fight and not get distracted, the umpire has got to make a decision. And when the umpire makes this decision, whether you like it or not, the umpire says, you're out of here. Then you must leave the playing field and get out. Well, listen, friends, God has placed on the inside of every one of you an umpire. And that umpire decides with all finality in your life, what is that one thing? What is the peace of God? And what is contrary to the peace of God? And then it becomes your, your responsibility. I said your responsibility. It becomes your responsibility to thrust it out. To say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Or to change your priorities and get those things out of your life, out of the ballpark, if you will, so that you can get back in the zone to which God has called you. Now look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for me and my house. It's one thing. My one thing is the Word of God. 
My one thing is the plan of God. I refuse to be pulled in different directions and become distracted by the cares of this life. Side journey before we look at Philippians 4. The Bible says in Mark 4 that the sower sows the word. Does he not? And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Amen. And the word comes, but then the cares of this life come in and it chokes the word. And that's why you have so many people that are depleted. So many people that are just exhausted. Will you come into church tonight? No, I'm so tired. Will you serve in the church? Can you serve? No, I'm too tired. Okay, I understand you're tired. You're tired. We understand that. But have you ever asked yourself why you're so tired? You know, could it be that maybe there are some priorities that need to be shifted around in our lives that we're not too tired to serve God? That we're not too tired to come to church? You know, and the world honors that fatigue. They even place names on it, and they call it chronic fatigue. Well, I'm sorry, Pastor. I can't stay awake during the messages because I have chronic fatigue. I mean, I have fatigue to the degree that it's become chronic. You understand? I'm chronically fatigued. Now, you know, sometimes there are some things physically that goes on in people's lives that cause that. But I think for the most part, there's a reason for all this fatigue. I think there are reasons biblically where people are so depleted and their spirits are so drained and they're too exhausted to do the will of God. You see, one of Satan's end time tactics is to wear out the saints of the Most High God. But listen, you're in control of him. He's not in control of you. You are in control of your schedule. Amen? He's not in control of your schedule. Well, Pastor, man, I, oh, man, I tell you, I'd come to the morning service, but I, I'm too tired. Why don't you turn the television off? The TV is playing until 3, 4 in the morning. No wonder you can't get up. There's reasons, folks. There are causes for some of these things. And I think, without getting into it too specifically, I think it's because people have left the one thing. And have gone on to many things. I mean, even the internet can exhaust you. You know, I mean, wow. You put a word in, you Google it, you get 5,000 or 55,685 Searches and you got to search them all. You know this that the eyes of man are never satisfied. I'm talking about the natural eyes of man are never satisfied. You can have too many things on your agenda, 
You can have too many things. And the Lord is saying to the church this morning, find out what the one thing is. Find out what that one thing is. Now in closing, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Are you still here? Are you getting anything today? Everyone shout one thing. Now notice here in Philippians 4, 6. How many things is it okay for you to be careful about? Now that's not all of you. How many things are you supposed to worry about? Let me put it to you like this in a question form. What has worry done for you lately? I'm going to ask this section over here. What has worry done for you lately? How about you? How about you? How about you over there? So worry does everyone? So he says then, be careful for nothing. Because if you are careful, worry will do nothing for you. The amplifying, you don't need to look there. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Somebody says, well, I hear you preaching this. How am I going to do that? If I'm not going to worry, what am I going to do? I mean, I thought that worry was my due diligence. I mean, everybody's got to worry about something. I mean, you know, I'll leave the big things up to God, but I got to worry about something. It's my responsibility. Who told you that? He said, cast all your care, all your anxieties, all your concerns on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So I've got a higher way. It's God's way. It's the one thing way. What is that? Well, if I'm going to worry, what am I going to do? Well, you're going to pray. He said, be careful for nothing. No sense of praying until you've given it to God. Now, that'll preach right there. I remember Norval Hayes years ago said something like this. God don't bless nervous prayers. And you know it's true. Say it with me. God don't bless nervous prayers. So he says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, about your body, about your finances, about your employment, about your wife, about your husband. But in everything, here's a thought, pray about it. By prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to who? Let it be made known to God. Now, here's how you pray about it. Let's say, for example, you just got a bad report. You went in, had your blood checked, and it came back that there was something in your blood that was unhealthy. Okay? And uh, so you get this report back that you have this certain disease. Or you go in, you have a CAT scan, something's wrong with your stomach or something like that. Or you're, you're, you're feeling some pain, you know, in your heart. And you have a CAT scan and they say, oh, there's some blockages in your heart. I'm sorry, um, there's nothing we can do. Or there's several tumors in your stomach, there's nothing we can do. Now that is something to consider, is it not? Okay. 
But considering that above considering Jesus will bring you down. So here's the scriptural way to pray about such a circumstance. Lord, I see here that I have this report. But I choose to believe your report. Now that doesn't mean you don't go to doctors and you don't get doctor's help. Don't be a fool. But understand this. We have a higher report. And a better report. And his name is Jesus. So here's how I would pray about this. Here's how you do this. Let me illustrate. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, this report says this. But you said in your word that I'm not to worry about it. That I'm to cast all my cares upon you, Lord. So, Father, I'm going to act on your word by faith. It's difficult to do, but you said I can do it. So I refuse to worry or to fret or to have any anxiety about this bad report. Amen? Amen. So then you've put it over in his hands. Say it with me. I put it over in his hands. But we're not going to stop there. Now we're going to pray. Now, Lord, I give this to you. And now, Father, you said in your word that you are the Lord that healeth me. You said in your word that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. You said in your word that you have forgiven me of all my iniquities. You have healed me of every disease. And you've furthermore said that whatever things I desire, when I pray, believe I receive them and I shall have them. I desire healing from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm asking you for it right now. And I believe that I receive it and I thank you for it now, Lord. So the battle hasn't ended, but the tables have been turned. You're no longer under the table. You're on top of the table. And Satan's under your feet. Now here's what will follow that if you do this scripturally. Amen? It might be a foreclosure. It might be a loved one that's rebelling. You just give it to God and you pray about it. Now notice with me in verse 7. Here's what happens. And the peace of God. See, we're talking about letting the peace of God rule where? In your heart. But this peace of God, which passes all understanding, here's what it will do. It will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, there is a stability that will come into your soul and it will anchor you because you have aligned yourself with Scripture, which says, don't worry, but pray. Say with me, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep my heart and my mind through Jesus Christ. Okay, let's say that's on Monday, right? But how many of you know Tuesday's coming? And the temptation to worry will be there. The temptation to to consider calling the undertaker. The temptation to... To consider this and to consider that will be there. But you've given it to God. Right? So what do you do on Tuesday? What do you do on Wednesday? What do you do on Thursday? What do you do on Friday? What do you do on Saturday? What do you do on Sunday? Well, you can... Now listen. You continue to give Him thanks. But here it is. If you want to keep your peace that you received when you gave it to him and when you prayed you got to do something with your mind 
you got to do something up here. And this is where the battle is. Look at verse, I believe it's verse 8. Read it with me. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, do what? See, every one of those things in verse 8, let's go back there. Every one of those things in verse 8 align itself with that one thing. One thing. I believe this. That every mind ought to have a good bouncer at the door. Amen? Sometimes you see, watch these movies and people are trying to get into this place and that place. The bouncer's there and say, no, you're not on the list. And so when the enemy brings his flip chart of all those considerations, say, no, Mr. Devil, that's not on the list. I resist you in the name of Jesus and I command you to leave me alone because I'm filled with the peace of God. Now, here's the problem, folks. Through our upbringing, we're not trained to think the thoughts of God. See, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Are you listening? But it took me till I was about 24, 25 years old to hear these things. So I had to unlearn some things before I could learn them. And that's a process. And that's where it talks about not being conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if you're battling with many things, take heart, child of God. Take heart, son of God and daughter of God. Continue in the word. Stay in the word. Choose the good part. And God's peace will be yours every day of your life. It's important to think right. It's important to speak right. And it's important to believe right. Norman Vincent Peale years ago went into a tattoo parlor. He was just dumbfounded at what he saw on the wall. And on the wall, he saw different terms that people put on their arm. And one of the main terms, and the proprietor of the tattoo place said, this is the number one thing that people put on their arm, born to lose. And Norman Vincent Peale said, why in the world would someone put that on their arm? And he said, tattoo up here before tattoo down here. And that's what happens with a lot of people. You see, through the world, we've been tattooed. But we're undergoing a transformation. We're not going to be the same tomorrow as we were today. We are being conformed. We are being transformed. And we're moving up from glory to glory. I said, we're moving up from glory to glory. Who's going to go with me? Who's going to go with me? Let's stand up, everybody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you ready to pray before we go home? Put your hand over your heart and say it with me. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God and for what we've enjoyed in this place today. I'm so thankful for your word. And now I do like Mary did. And I set myself. I seat myself. At your feet. 
show me, Lord, the one thing that is for my life. I choose the good portion. Now say this with me, Lord. I cast my care. I roll all my worries on you. I put them in their rightful place. And now I'm asking you, sir, for healing in my body, for household salvation, and for a breakthrough in my finances. And I believe that I receive. And I thank you that your peace keeps me not only today, but as I set my affection on you, and as I stay my mind on the things which are true, lovely and a good report, hallelujah, I shall have a great portion of peace. And so I speak a word of peace to troubled souls today. Father, may they take this message and meditate on it and get before you, Lord, and pray. And Lord, may we lay aside those things that might be good and they might be all right, but help us to lay them aside so that we can choose the good part. And Lord, for any priorities that any of us have that are out of whack, including Pastor Mark, all of us, Lord, show us. What we don't see, help us to see. What we don't know, help us to know. We just want to be more like you and more pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Do you receive it today? Let's give God praise. Amen.